This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We'll work our way to Second Chronicles chapter 15. That is the scripture I want to get to. We'll go through some scriptures before we get there, but if you get a chance to get there beforehand and mark it, that probably, probably would be a good thing. Now, in this message, there's going to be real, really one prevailing theme. And that prevailing theme is going to be peace. And peace ought to belong to the believer. I believe that with my whole heart. After all, he is the God of peace. That's our God. He is not the author of confusion, but rather he is the author of peace. So if anybody should have peace, certainly we as believers should have peace. Turn to Romans chapter 14. In Church of the Living Water, we need peace. Romans chapter 14. Verse 17, many of you are familiar with the scripture, but it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace. And joy in the Holy Ghost. If there's nothing else that we should have as believers, we ought to have righteousness, we ought to have peace, and we ought to have joy. Now, in my mind, it's a sad idea that there is a believer, and a believer is without peace. I think that's sad. And the thing about when a believer doesn't have peace, your lack of peace travels. It affects somebody else. If you lack peace. And again, we're going we're to uh, see these things. We're going to find out whether or not we have peace and, and how to gain that peace. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was very mighty on this past Sunday, in the attitude of forgiveness. And I heard it and I said, you know what? Man, that applies to Church of Living Water. Because sometimes we get so caught up with our, what, we, what we think we know how to do, but we don't know how to do it. We think we know what to do, but we don't know how to do what it is that we say we do. And that was the idea of kindness. And to me, it's when kindness is missing, if you don't have any peace, yeah, kindness is going to be missing. And when I see that, when I think of that, I think of the idea of church police. You know, people who are always looking at your problems, your issues, always have something to say about somebody else. <clears throat> Listen to me. This is not a get up, run around message, but it's a message we need to hear. <sighs> Able Ministers of the New Covenant class. I'll give you some of what was taught, uh, some of what we got to touch on last session. And we touched on the subject of lawlessness, and we talked about delegated authority. And one of the subject matters we talked about was Achan. Some of you know Achan. Achan was a member of the body of Israel who in their time that they went and defeated Jericho, he took the things that he wasn't supposed to take. And he was out of order. He was out of line. And, when we, and he troubled all of Israel. And, that, and God dealt with that in a mighty way. But here's the issue. When people, and, and I'm talking about you now, when you come, don't come to hear for somebody else. Because what happened is, after that teaching... 
you got a bunch of people who don't have balanced ears and they'll go searching out Achan. You understand what I mean by that? Are you Achan? I think that might be a sign of Achan. Are you Achan? But the whole point was for you to judge yourself. And I'm going to tell you, we're going somewhere with this, but when you fail to judge yourself, there will be a lack of peace. You see, that's the Sadducees. That's the Pharisees who held a standard up high for everybody else. But, but what did Jesus say? Do as they say, but don't do as they do. Because they're all killed. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lack. What was their lack of peace? When Jesus came. Now, this is amazing to me. The Savior comes and you realize you lack peace. He messes with your peace. That is crazy. But I'm the Pharisee, I'm the Sadducee, I've been in the church, I've been in the synagogue all this time, and the one I've been preaching about comes, and now my peace is messed up. Something's wrong with that. See, we've got to get to the point where we understand Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, this is something I ran across. And Whenever you come to the house of God, whenever God speaks, judge yourself. Put yourself under the standard. If you mourn, mourn for yourself. If you get upset, get upset at yourself. Stop trying to judge others when you yourself haven't applied that judgment to you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for sin, uh, for an occasion to the flesh. But, here's what our liberty is for. By love, serve one another. That's a simple message. But somehow we forget it. And again, I'm, I'm calling you to judge yourself right now. Whether or not you're the one always searching out for Achan. You're the one always looking at how they fall and fell to the standard. See, because what happens is, I don't want to go here, I'm, I'm going to come back on subject. But what happens is, there will come a time when you will fail. When you will falter. When you will need the mercy of God. And with the measure you met, it shall be measured to you. You didn't hear me, did you? You didn't understand that, did you? You see, with that same judgmental attitude that you use toward others to keep them down instead of trying to restore them, when you need restoration, you will find no mercy. You will find no grace. You will find no compassion. Do you hear me? But the subject matter is peace. And I want to make sure that, that, that we have everything in its proper place. So when you hear from God, hear for yourself, judge yourself. So sad is the believer who is without peace. Sad also is the believer whose peace is fragile. And by that I mean when the slightest disturbance puts them in a place where they're without peace. Because weightier matters will come. They will definitely come. And let me tell you, that peace is not the peace that belongs to the believer. Our peace is stronger than that. We're in the month of September. I know September 1st we recognized and remembered our founding pastor and 
know, September 1st of last year, he had gone on to be with the Lord. And you know, it's the peace of God that keeps us still. And, I'll, and you know, I mean, you're not, you're not blind to it. Not everybody was still. Not everybody could remain. What they lacked was peace. The peace that belongs to those that are believers. And, and, and I'm not doubting whether or not they're believers. I'm not saying you may or may not be a believer. I'm taking you at your word that you are a believer. What I'm saying is you can be a believer and yet miss out on peace. And we don't want to be those believers. Are you with me? So let's look at what is peace. And, and I always do this. This is just me. Whenever I want to find out what something is, I always try to see what it's not. Right? And, and I believe many of us think we have an understanding of peace. And, and to some extent, I believe we do. But peace is not anxiety. Peace is not being uneasy. Peace is not being fearful. If you're in a place of anxiety, you're lacking peace. If you're in a place where, where fear is dominating you, you do not have peace. Peace is not restlessness. <laughs> Amen. Peace is not restlessness. He gives his beloved rest. It belongs to us. Peace is not clamor. A bunch of clamor. That's not peace. Peace is not conflict. Amen. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Peace is not war. Peace is not noise. Amen. Peace is not noise. Peace is not despair. Peace is not being disturbed. See, if you're in a place of despair, if you're in a place where you're being disturbed, if, if, if you've got a bunch of noise going on, if you've got a bunch of conflict going on, if you've got anxiety and fear going on, if you've got clamor going on, peace is not being unsettled. All these things is the absence of peace. So when these are removed from a situation, or if these are not present, it can be called peace. If I'm free of anxiety, if I'm free of fear, if I'm free of restlessness, if I'm free of clamor and conflict, if I'm free of noise, if I'm free of despair, if I'm free of being disturbed, if I'm free of being unsettled, I am at peace. Let me tell you, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, this is the kingdom of God. Now, here's me. If you never have an opportunity to be anxious, you can call it peace, but what good is that? If you never have, have an opportunity to be fearful, you can call it peace, but what good is that? It's shallow. It's flimsy. We have a peace that is much stronger than that. Here's peace. Now, I've come across many definitions of peace in my time. I'm going to mention some of the stronger definitions, but there's one definition in particular I want to get to. Peace is stability in time of trouble. If there's no trouble, you can call it peace, but the peace I'm talking about is in the times of trouble, I'm still stable. 
I am not moved. Peace is freedom from debilitating thoughts. Freedom from debilitating thoughts. See, we have been brought to liberty. Whom the Son makes free is free indeed. I'm t- I, I, I love that. I'm, I'm, I, I love that. I love that idea. Because I, I always get in my mind, there are many criminals who are set free. But they're not made free. You know, and when they're set free, it's always, you know, the sirens go off and they're... Because they have not been made free. They've just been set free. They're not behind bars, but they're still in bondage. But the believer who's been made free, when the accuser of the brethren comes, you have nothing on me. Hallelujah. Receive me. Isn't that what Paul said? I have wronged no man. That sounds like somebody who's been made free. So in this freedom, there's freedom from debilitating thoughts. Let me tell you, peace belongs to the believer. When I am still hurt over my past sins as though they're still held against me, you lack peace. But the kingdom of God is righteousness. Peace, freedom from debilitating thoughts. It's freedom from thoughts of anxiety. It's freedom from thoughts of fear. It's freedom from restless thoughts. Everything I mentioned that peace is not, it's freedom from noisy thoughts. It's freedom from conflicting thoughts. So peace is stability in times of trouble. And let me tell you, trouble will come. Church of the living water, trouble will come. But God has equipped us with peace. So that when trouble comes, we don't be moved. And there will be opportunities for you to have debilitating thoughts. But He has equipped us with peace that even when we have the opportunity... To be debilitated by whatever the enemy wants to bring to us in thoughts, we can be free from those debilitating thoughts. You know, and when you're free from those thoughts, here's the thing. Peace makes way for patience. It does. When I have that peace, I can be patient. (laughs) Amen. You know, because when I have that peace, see, debilitating thoughts says, if I don't get it this time, it's never going to happen. But when I have peace, I'm like, you know what? God's not through yet. And so I can be patient. Amen. Isn't that our God who patiently waits for the fruit from this earth? Mm. He's not fearful. He's not full of anxiety. He knows who he is. Amen. So peace makes way for patience. But peace is... Stability in time of trouble. Peace is freedom from debilitating thoughts. And I'm going to get to this definition again. This is the best definition I've found because of how I see it in the scriptures especially. Uh, And I'm going to work my way to there. You don't mind if I work my way to there instead of just giving it to you. Turn to the book of John chapter 14. (laughs) The book of John chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 27. And this is Jesus talking to the apostles. 
And again, we should understand, it was not just for the apostles. He was also speaking about us who would believe. And he says unto them, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. Hallelujah. This is our Savior talking. This is the Lord of glory talking. And he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do you hear him? Did he not just say, when I give you peace, heart's not troubled, heart's not afraid. But, but what I'm going to do is I'm not going to give you the peace of this world. I'm going to give you my peace. I'm sorry, but that's amazing to me. That is amazing to me. Amen. In this day and age, let's say a man travels to the moon and he walks on the moon. The first man to walk on the moon and he comes back and he gives you his helmet. Man, this is the helmet that the man who walked on the moon, the first man to walk on the moon, this is the helmet he, and we would go crazy and we try to sell it because it's so valuable. Amen. But Jesus says, I'm going to take my peace and I'm going to give it to you. More valuable than the paraphernalia of our entertainers and our stars and our famous people. I'm this is he who always is. He was there at the beginning. What kind of peace should we have? Turn to Mark chapter 4. What piece is this? Mark chapter 4. Let's, let's get a, a glimpse of this piece. Mark chapter 4. You know, don't you wonder why he gives us this piece? Because there will be trouble. There will be opportunity to be shaken. There will be opportunities to be afraid. And he knows that they're coming. He knows that they are on our pathway. But he says, I will not leave you to your own strength. But I will provide peace. Not any peace. My peace. Mark chapter 4 verse We'll read from verse 35 to the end of the, of the chapter. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Now, here's the issue with the other side. The other side is, there's a great body of water between this side and that side. So, we're going to have to make arrangements to get to the other side. Verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude... They took him even as he was in the ship. And there, was also, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. He knows that from this side to your other side, there are storms coming. 
There are winds that will blow. There are great waves that will beat upon you on your journey. And here's, so there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. You know, when a ship is full of water, what happens next? You sink. Verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? How can you sleep in the midst of our storms? And you're in the storm with us. How can you sleep? How can you rest? The boat is full of water. And you actually as if there is nothing wrong. This is peace. He says, my peace. I give to you. I believe if they didn't at that time, I believe many of his apostles thought back to that episode and said, my goodness. He's given us that peace. Verse 38 again. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind. And I'm sorry, I, I just, because some of you, I see you when you wake up. Amen. Some of us don't wake up well. Just say amen. Uh, some of us, you know, like I say, peace travels. Your uneasiness to sleep. Some, you know, some of you haven't had your coffee yet. And you know how you are when you don't have your coffee. I, I can just imagine that Jesus could have had the opportunity to be a bad waker-upper. I mean, I, I had a good sleep going on. You're going to wake me because you don't have peace. And so he's not a man of many words at this point in time. That, that's just my imagination. So he rose, rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Wow. And they feared exceedingly, not because they were about to sink, but, the, but because this man commands the wind and the sea and they obey him. They forgot about them about to sink. They just saw the Lord of glory in action. This is why he had peace. He knows that you're going to make it to the other side. And on the way to the other side, there will be storms. But you're not going to wake me because of the storms. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the question is, he says, my peace I give to you. And the question for us is, what peace is this? This is the peace that keeps us stable in the midst of our storm. Wow, it is nothing else. I'm telling you, some people, this is why, I, here's somebody with peace. A person with peace will encounter a person without peace. And that person without peace will do all they can to make you restless. But the person with peace will have a good night's sleep. No, you didn't hear me. It will roll off of them like water off of a duck's back. Because they know who they are. They know who they serve. They know the direction they're heading in. Trust me, we will get there and you will understand. Now turn back to John chapter 14. Because the question is, how did he get this peace? John chapter 14. 
See, we're getting to the definition that, that I believe is the best definition I've ever heard on peace. Okay, we're getting there. John 14, verse 10. This is Jesus talking. He says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very works' sake. Do you see that? He says, believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Now turn to chapter 17. Verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. Now I'm going to bring them into this, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now, 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 I, I, I don't want to teach this all over again, but when we talked about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit brings the presence of the Father and the Son to us. That's our oneness. Now, now, now here's the thing about Jesus. Here's why Jesus was able to have the peace. He was with the Father, and the Father was with him. Which brings me to the definition of peace. Here's peace for us. I am with God. And God is with me. That's peace. I'm sorry, that's peace. That gets me through. Amen. This is why I say, if I encounter somebody who wants to rain on my parade, but I know I'm with God, and God is with me, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to get my rest. I'm not going to let your thoughts invade my thoughts and encumber me with fear. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so peace is stability in time of trouble. It is freedom from debilitating thoughts. It is I am with God. And God is with me. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, but this is, I'm telling you, this is it. This is it. This is peace. See, because in all honesty, I can have peace, but I've never been able to put it together like that before. But when I heard it, I was like, no, no, that's peace. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. You see, because I've come across times before, and I'm telling you, I know. I've seen it in people's eyes. Why are you not disturbed? Because I'm with God, and God is with me. Just like when Jesus was asleep. Don't you care? Don't you have the same care? Why aren't you going crazy with us? Because I have peace. It's not that I don't care. Mm. Let's look at these scriptures. I love these scriptures. Psalm 84. Psalm 84. I always mean to ask, and I never do. Do y'all even care about the notes I put up? Because if you don't, 
I won't bother him doing any extra work to put notes up. Uh, that, 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 that's a survey. How many of you even care? Okay, all right. Because, you know, you do work and sometimes you just assume. I'm like, why are you assuming? They probably laughing at your notes. That poor brother. Psalms 84. But I know how it goes. I take notes myself. So every now and then it's, it's good to have that up there. So, oh, that's what he said. Psalms 84 and 10. For a day. Hallelujah. Let me, let me just take my time. For a day. A is a. That's like one. Not multiple. Just one. For a day. Just one day. In your courts. Oh God. Just one day in your courts. Is better than a thousand. A thousand where? Anywhere else. Just one day. Just one day in your courts. His courts represent his presence. Just one day in your courts. If, if I can just get a whiff of your presence. It is better than a thousand. I don't care if I have all my earthly needs met. It still not will compare. It will still not compare to one day in your courts. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. You got to understand what he's saying here. He's saying, now to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I can't. Doorkeeper. Doorkeeper, he's saying, if I just lay at your doorstep. He's not saying, I, I don't even get deep inside. If I could just lay at your doorstep. If I could be a beggar on the doorsteps of my God. I'd rather do that than to live in comfort. He says, now, if I can just have your presence. If I can just be with you, be near to you, it would suffice. One day near to you, one day close to you is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather sleep on the doorstep. I don't need a bed. I don't need a room. I don't need a title. I just need to be there. I'd rather have that than to dwell in comfort. See, tents in those times didn't represent your camping. It, it represented good, nice living. He is understanding this. If I'm away from your presence, what good is it? Hallelujah. If I'm away from, if I'm away from you, God, nothing is worth anything. See, he is seeking peace. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I am with God. And God is with me. David said, I'd rather be a porter. This is the king talking. I might be called king, but I'd give it all up. A thousand days as king. I'd give it all up for one day in your courts. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 
verse 24. uh, Yeah, let's start in verse 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, Catch that. But why? He had a choice. Choosing, rather, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That gets me. I know some of us are familiar with that, but that gets me. He says, I'd rather be afflicted than to be at ease if the affliction is with the people of God. (laughs) That's commitment. Amen. That's commitment. I would rather be afflicted than to enjoy the pleasure. Let me tell you, some of us would have used that excuse. Say, God put me here on purpose. Maybe not some of you, some other church people would have used that excuse and said, God put me here on purpose. He wants me in the king's palace. He wouldn't have put me here if he didn't want me here. But Moses said, yeah, but God's not here. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Again, I love it. Not even for a long time. God, you'll excuse me for a season. I'm not looking for excuses. God, I'm looking for you. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect until the recompense of reward. There's a great reward with being with God. A greater reward with being with God, even though there may be afflictions that await you. Even though there may be trials that await you. Even though you may lose some friends. Even though you may lose popularity contests. Even though you may be talked about. There's a greater reward for being with God. And I love it. He summed it up. And now we understand where his mind comes from when we turn to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. You still with me? I love this. Starting at verse number 12. Exodus 33. Starting at verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee. This is Moses talking to God. Now, therefore, God, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Now, now, he's saying, now, God, you're telling me to take this people, to lead them, but you haven't shown me who's going with us. So, God, I, I, want you to, I want you to show the way now. If I found grace, show the way. And remember, this is your people. Verse 14. And this is God answering. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, this is Moses answering God, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. He said, because I was ready to quit, God. 
Because if where I'm going, you're not going to be there, I'd rather stay with you. I'm sorry, church. But if you decide to go where God is not going, I'm going to stay with God. Now, you didn't hear me. You know, we have a choice. Moses had a choice. He had a choice at a relatively young age. He could have allowed himself the ease of Pharaoh's daughter's house. But he chose rather to go with the people of God. And he understood that when it was time to lead the people, God, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. If your presence is not to go with us, I don't want to go. Verse 16. For wherein shall it be known here? that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Moses chose to suffer affliction. And then he goes on to say, if your presence isn't there, I don't want to be there. Because they understood this. As long as I'm with God and God is with me, it is well. But if there's a break in there, listen. I am with God and God is with me by, it's peace by our definition. It's peace by our definition. But it is also having God's presence. That's what that is. It is having God's presence. To be able to say that I am with God and God is with me is for me to say that I have God's presence. That's what David was saying. He's saying God's presence is better. It's better than what? Better than anything. A day in thy courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. His presence is better. Listen, church, his presence is better than having these chairs full. We can have a full church and not have God's presence. And I don't want to be with you in that case. We sometimes look for the wrong thing. Wherever we are, we want to make sure that if nothing else, God's presence is there. God's presence is better than any position that you can gain. Better than any title you could ever have. Listen, we send our children off to school, but his presence is better than the school of their choice. Amen. His presence is better. And I want to tell you, there's always a choice. And we've got to choose with this in mind. Is the end of my choice going to take me away from his presence? Look at this in First Chronicles chapter 13. First Chronicles chapter 13. 
excuse me. <clears throat> Bear with me. But I want you to see this. Because I want you to see how David was excited at the ark. First Chronicles 13, verse 1. And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And here's the point. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of the people. So David says, we don't have the ark. That's wrong. Let's go get the ark. Now turn to chapter 15. Verse 25. So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. And it came to pass when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen. And all the Levites that bear the ark and the singers and Chenaniah, the master of the song, with the singers, David also had upon him an ephod of linen. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting, and with the sound of the cornet, and with trumpets, and with cymbals, making a noise with psalteries and harps. They're having a party. And it came to pass, as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looking out at a window, saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. He's going off, and she doesn't have peace. But David's dancing for a reason. He is dancing because he recognizes that the ark of God represents the presence of God. And all the time we've been living without his presence has not been right. But if I can get into his presence again, Look at this, chapter 16, verse 27. Glory and honor are in his presence. See, he knows that. Glory and honor are in his presence. We've been without glory, we've been without honor, but now comes the ark of God. It is time to go crazy. Because things are about to change. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Listen, oh, I'm sorry, I've got to go to these scriptures. Turn to Psalm chapter 23. This is, I believe David understood these things. Because when, when he's with you, when he's with you, Psalm 23, some of you know it. When he's with you, you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. When he's with you, you can say, I shall not want. When he's with you. This is, this is why David went off. Because now, I'm, we're going to have God with us. Now, now, we're not in the times of old, wherein they lived under the law, and he was confined to an ark, but nonetheless it represented his presence. And with his presence, David had assurance. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, 
I shall not want. See, when he's with me, I don't care what I'm without right now, he's going to take care of me. He maketh me. Oh, I love it. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And I love that term, maketh. It's not really by force. It's like, but baby, you're mine. I'm not going to send you out there any kind of old way. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. And so he won't allow me to have anything else but his goodness. So he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Not pastures that are dry. Not pastures that have been devoid of water. Not barren places and desert places. He makes me lie down in green pastures because that's what you get with his presence. And he leaves me beside. I know it might be rocky, but he leaves me beside still waters. Comes with his presence. And and when God is with me and I'm with God, he restores my soul. And then he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I got peace. I got peace. I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. Turn to Psalm chapter 91. Talking about his presence. I'm with God and God is with me. That makes way for peace. That's peace. Psalm 91. When I'm with God and God is with me, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. See, see, that's why he says a day in your courts. Just one day. If I could just get close to your secret place. But he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord... He's my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. See, when I'm with God and God is with me, surely He shall deliver from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. And He'll cover me with His feathers. And under His wings will I trust. His truth will be our shield and our buckler. Peace. We won't be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the error that flies by noon by day, or for the pestilence that walks in darkness, or for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at our side. Ten thousand at our right hand, but it will not come near us. That's peace. I see them falling. I see the fires burning. I see the floodwaters rising. But I'm with God. And God is with me. Psalms 27. We want peace, church. We want God with us and we want to be with God. Psalms 27. Verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble. See, see, trouble's coming. That's why we need peace. But, but this is one thing I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Because in the time of trouble, 
he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. See, there's a hiding place in time of trouble for those who are with God and those who God is with. Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Do, do you just hear this recurring theme? All is, well, is it? All is well in your presence. All is right in your presence. I'm not saying that they're, they're not terrors. I'm not saying that they're not arrows. I'm not saying that they're not enemies. But when I'm in your presence, it's well with me. Peace. I am with God. And God is with me. It's called having God's presence. And having His presence sounds good, but we must remember. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you there. Galatians chapter 6. We can just quote it, but who needs to quote it? You need to see it. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7. We've got to remember, God's not mocked. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Listen, listen. I know it may not sound like much. We just talked about God's presence. We want the assurance of God's presence. But we've got to remember that God is not mocked. You cannot take for granted that because you're with God now, that he will automatically stay with you no matter how you conduct yourself. You cannot take for granted that because you're with God now, that he will automatically stay with you no matter how you conduct yourself. I'll say that again. Let it sink in. This is one of the reasons why I say we've got to judge ourselves. Instead of being the church police trying to judge everybody else, we think we got God's presence and He left us a long time ago. You cannot take for granted that because you're with God now that He will automatically stay with you no matter how you conduct yourself. Can't take that for granted. Now you can turn to Second Chronicles chapter 15. You can't take for granted that because you're with God now that He will automatically stay with you no matter how you conduct yourself. Mm. It's a very important statement for the church. We have to rightly divide the word. 
We have to rightly divide it. Mm. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to end with this verse, but you, this is really where all this came from. Verse 1 says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, Asa's the king, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah, and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, while ye be with him. I'm sorry, let, let me start this all over again, because I may have missed that somehow. Because that, that, that doesn't sound like modern day preaching to me. That, that doesn't sound like the message of grace people try to preach today. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Odin. So the Spirit of God actually came upon him. So he's speaking by unction of the Holy Spirit. He's not speaking out of the side of his neck. He actually is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this one, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit, went out to meet the king, Asa. And said unto him, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah, and Benjamin. Could it be possible, as God speaks to us as church of the living water, that I could be inspired by the Holy Spirit? Could it be possible that God has sent me to say a word for this ministry? And he might be saying, Hear ye me, all of you members of the church of the living water. The Lord is with you, while ye be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. I know it's wrong to end on a statement like this, but I'm going to end on this statement. God does not owe you his presence. He doesn't owe you his presence. And some of us run around as we are entitled. Listen to me. I'm telling you, I understand that God doesn't owe me his presence. David said, I'd rather be a doorman. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be a porter in your house. Listen to me. If God were to turn around tomorrow and say, no longer can you minister. So God, as long as your presence is with me, I'm all right now ministering. No, no, you, you don't understand that, right? Because somebody gives you a pink slip in the church and say, you must step down from this function and you, I, I, I'm sorry, where's your peace? See, God is with you as long as you be with Him. I'm going to stop there. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.